This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to Invest Talk. It is Wednesday, March 4, 2020. Another volatile day, and I don't. And as I said before, I don't think it's going to stop. I think it's going to be continue for a while. Uh, volatility for this year just already was already assumed. I assumed it because of the election being an election year, and of course the coronavirus kind of sped that up a little bit. But we're, we're going to live with it. Uh, you know, the virus has spread to about 63 countries so far, and it's going to spread. It's going to continue to spread. I just don't think it's much. I don't think. Personally, I think it's way overblown, way overblown. I mean, how many more people died? Uh, you know, another, you know, like four or five people died, six people died here in the U.S. Uh-huh. You know how many people died last week from the flu? See, so no one even knows those stats. So why is this? A, it's just another type of flu to me. That's all it is. And it's not even that bad of one yet. Hard to convince people. People are the fear is driving them. Fear, and of course, you want strategies to deal with that fear and the volatility it produces. And I, hopefully, that's what we can do here on Invest Talk. I'm Steve Peace, and I hope you can call me this hour. It is a call-in show. The invest, this is uh, through, through the Invest Talk radio program and the podcast. We hope to guide you through be a better investor. That's what it's all about. One way Justin and I are able to do this, of course, is we implement a philosophy of independent thinking and shared success, okay? So, we want to think independently. I've been start, I started buying a little slowly, not dramatically, but slowly on Friday in back into this market. Why? Because I know this fear is going to be temporary, everybody. I don't know how temporary. I don't know how bad it's going to get. I don't know. I don't know the depth, but I know it's going to be temporary. And since I don't know when it will end, well, I just look for bargains. And if the bargain's there, I'm going to go ahead and buy it. And that's what you should do. Slowly. Because it could still go down. I don't know. No one knows. Okay. I'm here ready to answer any of your questions, your investing questions. We This is a call-in show. Our anytime listener line is open right now. I'm taking your calls live. We're live every day, Monday through Friday. 4 to 5 Pacific Time. The number is 888-99-CHART. So you can call right now, 888-992-4278. And let me remind you that Justin Klein will be traveling to San Jose on March 20th to meet with uh, registered listeners who understand the value of receiving our no-cost, no-obligation KPP financial portfolio reviews. Now, if you want to sit down with him, with Justin, for a personalized consultation in San Jose on March 20th, you got to register at investtalk.com. you got to pick a time. you got to get a time for you. Now, I know he's pretty full, so, you know, he doesn't have a lot of slots. I don't, I, he has maybe have one slot left. Maybe. I'm not even positive. So, go to investtalk.com. Send us an email. Tell us what you want. My main talking point today concerns an opinion the global economy will stop just short of coronavirus recession. That's according to Goldman Sachs chief economist. So he says he says more weakness from China or maybe a pullback in consumer activity might bring us close to a recession. Now I think that's where the danger is. Not China. Not what happened in China. 
our consumer here in the United States. That's what I'm worried about because we are a consumer-driven economy. 66%, some say 70 but some are in that range. What the consumer does, spends, that's key. Very, very important. So if they get frightened and stop spending, yeah, that's going to hurt. I don't think we're going into recession, though. Now, of course, you can quote me on that and you can hold me to it. Here it is, what, March 4th. I think I said it yesterday, too. Uh, I don't think we're going to recession, recession this year because of this coronavirus. I do think our GDP is going to shrink, the growth of the GDP. But I still think, I think we'll still be growing, just much less. We'll see. And I think it's only going to last a couple, three months, and then we're going to rebound. We'll see. I've got some interesting things to talk about today, time permitting. How about um, consumer spending? I want to talk about that. Fear will affect spending. We know that. I know that. You know that. But what will help spending? So I want to get into that. Super Tuesday. I don't want to talk about politics, but I do want to talk about the interesting difference between Bernie Sanders and Joe Biden uh, and their different tax proposals. I think that's something that will be interesting for everybody. They both want to increase taxes on the rich, but they're different. So I thought I might bring that up. Billionaire investor Howard Marks of Oak Tree Capital Thinks some thinks some buying now is not a bad idea. Of course, I just said that for myself. So you know, I started on Friday. So, and finally, if we can get to it, your million-dollar retirement. What cities will it last longer or shorter? Million dollars. If you had a million dollars, and you're going to use that money to live on, which cities and how long will it last? Hopefully, you find that interesting. Okay. Now, the market was up today, really big update, 1,173 points on the Dow, 334 points on the NASDAQ, and 127 on the S&P. That's a pretty big update, but of course, we've had some huge volatility down days too, so and day after day. So, we're just, you know, the market was down 800 points yesterday. So, between the two days, it was up, what, three, 400 points, much not nearly as, as impressive as it was as you just talked about it, just today's movement. So anyway, so give us a call. We're ready to take your questions. 888-99-CHARTERS is our number, so give me a call. We're live Monday through Friday, and we're live right now. Hi, guys. Lee from North Carolina here. I'm looking at Wynn Resorts, W-Y-N-N. It pays a very nice dividend, and I feel like the hit that it's taking from the coronavirus scare presenting a good buy opportunity. But I just wanted to get your opinion on the stock. Looking forward to hear the answer on the show. Thanks. Yes, it went right down to about $101.50. And it's been there one, two, three, four. And this is the fifth time in a year. And it's bounced up. And it usually bounces up from 100 here basis to about 130 to 140. That's what it usually does. So this would be a good buy point, I think. Uh, you know, the reason why Wynn is having trouble is because you they operate Wynn Macau, Wynn Las Vegas, Encore and Wynn in Las Vegas and Macau. You know, so think about that. Macau is in China. And to get to Wynn's hotels in Las Vegas, you have to 
fly and there's a lot of Asians that come in. So the fear is their business is going to be disrupted. And that's a good, that's, that's very good fear. That's very possible. And I'm, I bet you it will happen. Okay. So, but it is at a very good price right now. They're going to make $2.61 this year, then allegedly make $6.30. So let's, that, that probably won't happen at that range. Uh, $6.30. That won't probably won't go up 141% from this year to next year. That would be surprising in lieu of the fact of what's going on. But it will probably go bounce. It'll probably go up. I can tell you this. It's not a cheap stock. Even at $6.30. If they made that much money, if they did, okay, uh, that's what? a Let's see. Six... What, 15 PE? Okay, if they made that much money, 15, and I guess that would be a reasonable price. That's a uh, S&P long-term average PE ratio. But the company's not growing. It's kind of flat. Sales are flat. Earnings are going to jump up, but the sales aren't. Pays a 3.8% dividend. Has lots of debt. I don't know. Uh, even though this is great support where it is, uh, I don't see a compelling enough bargain for me to jump in here. Uh, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be a buyer of it. I just wouldn't. Went W Y N N is the name, is the symbol. Everybody. Okay. This is the best talk. I'm Steve Pizza, and you've probably heard me say that I believe every investor should make time to determine their individual risk tolerance. And why do I say that? That is a, that's a first step in building it kind of a, a profile and to then take that profile and determine a strategy that will fit your risk tolerance, your comfort zone. Okay? It's easy to quick calibrate. You go on our risk tolerance tool that we have on investtalk.com. It's called Riskalyze. It's just a short questionnaire. But it will help you, help me, and we'll, we'll move forward together to try to determine how much risk you should be taking. But now I'm going to take your questions, 888-99-CHART. It's Wednesday, and we've all been watching the market go up and then down. There's been plenty of volatility, so you're going to have finance and investing questions. Steve Peasley is here, and he's ready to talk with you now. Call Invest Talk. 888-99-CHART. 888-992-4278. That's our number. So which companies, which uh, public companies out there are doing well right now? You know, which are suffering in the, which are suffering, which are not from the coronavirus threat? Cruise control, I mean, Carnival Cruise, I should say. Carnival Cruise Line, CCL is a symbol. They're having a lot of pain out there. They're, their shares are down about 75% since December. And it's not just the coronavirus. It's because, of you know, there's already issues around the world and there are already issues with the line. I think that that's way overdone, that 75%. And I think at some point they might be a good buy. I just think it might be. It's obvious why they're suffering, right? Netflix and Grubhub, they have been rallying those stocks. These are the types of stay-at-home service companies that that probably would do well. Shares of Innovio, Innovio Pharmaceuticals. Why? 
They're up about 13% today after being up 16% yesterday. Innovile says it's accelerating the timeline development of a vaccine to treat the coronavirus. So they think they're going to accelerate to early April. So, you know, that's why their stocks are up big. What if it fails? Their stock will get crushed. Okay, just so you know. So, but there's, you know, again, I think this coronavirus thing is over, done, way overdone. So let's grab another call question that came in earlier. 888-99-CHART. Hi, this is Brandon Pohl from Colorado. I just started listening to your program, and I was interested in the stock Enphase Energy, E-N-P-H. It looks like their EPS has just gone positive for 2019 and that the company is just starting to make money. So hopefully you can give me some advice. Thank you. Well, actually, Enphase Energy, Inc., they've made money in 2019 for $1.06. They're going to make, they're estimated to make a money, so they did just for the first time. But in 2018, they made 10 cents a share. So they didn't lose money in 2018. 2017, they did. In 16 and 15, they did. So 10 cents a share to $1.06, and then 2020, the estimate for this year is $1.34, and then for next year is $1.44. And so they're making money. Sales are growing pretty fast, 100% in the last two quarters, 120, 130% growth in the last two quarters. Um, uh, now, what do they do? They design, develop, and sell home energy solutions for the solar photoelectric, photoelectric industry. Okay? So that's what they do. They're a $6.5 billion company, and it's expensive. It's a $53.47 stock. It's not cheap. It's expensive. You're going to have to overpay for this. Great return on equity of 89, 89%, but that's because they have huge debt. And so they've been leveraging that debt, which is a worry. So um, it's not, it's gone up too fast, too high, and I would, I would not suggest you buy here. Wait for a big pullback. It's not really pulling back. It didn't pull back hardly at all. So I just think it's too expensive for me. On the next Invest Talk, this story... Taking on a new home loan could cost you thousands of dollars in fees. So we'll look at the five questions to ask yourself before you refinance your mortgage. That's that story's going to be tomorrow, everybody. But for now, I'm Steve Peasley, and I'm ready to take your questions at 888-99-CHART. You are listening to Invest Talk. The health of your financial future may depend on the decisions you start making now in 2020. Steve Peasley is here, ready to provide his unbiased investment guidance. 888-99-CHART. Hi, my name is Eric, and I've been listening to the program for a while, and you guys have helped me quite a bit. And I had kind of a general question that I thought might help me and some of your other listeners. I had heard an analyst talking on the radio the other day saying that their investment strategy is to be completely equally diverse amongst all sectors, regardless of the time of the economic cycle. That seems kind of, not necessarily bad, but seems like an extremely conservative approach to me, as opposed to maybe being heavy on uh, sectors that should be performing well during a particular economic cycle. So I was wondering what your thoughts were as far as if you should be equal amongst all sectors or if you should kind of play it by the cycle. 
And then he went on to say that he also recommends setting up a stop loss on the entire portfolio of wherever your comfort zone is. So, for instance, if you could only, say, afford to lose 15% of your portfolio, put a stop loss on everything you own at 15%. Now, that to me seemed a little bit ridiculous because if we do have one of these market corrections, I think we could easily go down 15%. You've even talked about 20% on the radio, and then you'd be completely out of your positions. Those are the two comments that I heard, and I was just kind of wanting to get you guys' perspective on it. I will listen to the program for your answer. Thank you. Okay, being equally weighted in all the sectors is a strategy out there. I don't particularly care for the strategy. Um, it's not the S&P 500 because the S&P 500, that, that's not equally weighted, obviously, because it's heavily weighted toward tech because of the big tech that dominated. So I think 17, 18% of this S&P is uh, dominated by the FANG stocks, Facebook, Apple, Google, not Netflix though, um, and Amazon. Anyways, so I'm not I'm not a big fan of that. I like to buy stocks that are growing that are at a discount price, and I don't care. I will not overweight a particular sector. I think about 17% or so in that range is enough in one sector. Um, I do not like his stop loss at all. Okay, so it does protect you against a severe loss, right? It will you know, protect you if the market collapses, and it will protect you. But most times, there's corrections. Those corrections can be 10 to 20%. That would be normal. And so now you're stopped out at 15%, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. But tell me, how do you get back in? You wait till the market recovers? Well, then it's too late. You've missed out on the recovery. That's the problem. That's a timing mechanism, and it's very difficult. I would rather buy dividend-paying stocks that pay me income or income a strategy that has dividend-paying stocks in them and then just ride through the hard times and buy more, buy more. And, you know, if you need to take some profits by rebalancing and you produce some cash, wait for another bargain and then buy it or it's... That's what I think. I don't think getting stopped out and trying to get, I think that's foolish. I've been around this so many decades now that I know for a fact that that won't work. Now, the only time it does work is if the market collapses like it did in 2008. 50% 50 collapse. But how did you get back in? When did you get back in? Because in 2009, the market went up 100%. So did you ever get back in or when did you wait till it was up 50% and got back in? Well, if you did that, if you did that, you lost money for those two years. Or you could have broke even if you just stayed with it. That's my thinking. Good question, though. Very good question. That was something that, you know, those kinds of strategies should be explored. And not every strategy is for everybody. And, and you know, there's different strategies. And not all, some of them work great. Yeah, some of them don't. One of the strategies getting out completely to me is wrong. I would hold on to, always hold on to my core holdings and I buy them when they're cheap. And then buy them and hold on to them. Core holdings. 888-99-CHARTERS is our number. 888-992-4278. Global economy will stop falling just short of a recession, according to Goldman Sachs economists. And just want to make sure we both, I want to make sure you understand my thinking about 
experts. The guy who was on TV and this particular Goldman economist, experts are always wrong. They're wrong. They're wrong so much that I don't want you to believe them. I want you to use your own decision, your own common sense. I want you to read all the experts and listen to them, including myself. You make your own decision. Because they're not wrong so often that I just say they're always wrong. And even when they're right, they're wrong. I'll give you an example. In 2008, I was right in saying that in January that year, we're going to be in a recession. But I was also wrong because I thought the recession was going to be short and shallow. Experts are always wrong, guys. Anyway, go. Anyway, so well, I'll get more into this uh, talking point after the break, but we're getting close to the break. And I had to get to the trivia question. Okay, when we know that the reports on uh, that there's news reports that pharmaceuticals and research companies are rushing to bring a, a virus vaccine to the marketplace, right? Public health in the United States has been greatly improved over the last hundred years thanks to the progress of pharmaceutical industries. You can hate them all you want, but they certainly have improved our health. And as we go to break, here's the trivia question. The development of modern pharmaceutical industry can be traced back to the 1800s. But what world event led to an explosion of new drugs discovered in the 1900s? And what is the name of the world's largest pharmaceutical company? Largest pharmaceutical company today. What's the name? We continue after this break. But now we have, now we are taking your market and financial questions. You can call live 888-99-CHART. You know what my husband and I really want? I mean, after years of working and saving and investing, we want financial freedom. Financial freedom to do and live as we want. But our old 401k plan? It's out of date. It can't truly be working for us. You're listening to someone who would benefit from a personalized portfolio review. The kind of unbiased advice and sensible investment strategies offered in a no-cost preliminary consultation. By KPP Financial. Sure, we feel confident about some of our investment decisions over the years, but retirement will get here someday, and we should cover our bases now. Get a valuable second opinion on your current financial picture. And KPP Financial doesn't impose unnecessary products or services, so you can make informed decisions with your money. At KPP Financial, we offer independent thinking and shared success. KPP Financial. Okay. Invest Talk is made possible by KPP Financial, where Invest Talk hosts and KPP principals Steve Beasley and Justin Klein practice parallel investing. That means Steve and Justin's accounts participate with client investments at equal prices and percentages. You can learn more about parallel investing at investtalk.com. The phone lines are open. Steve and Justin welcome your questions. Call now. 888-99-CHART. 888-992-4278, everybody. That's our call. That's our number. I asked a trivia question before the break. Uh, it was about the development of the pharmaceutical industry. And it started in the 1880s. But what event in the 1900s led to the explosion of the pharmaceutical industry? And what company is the largest? What pharmaceutical company is the largest today? Okay, so here's the answer. 
Okay, in the 1880s, the pharmaceutical the industry was tracked to a bunch of apothecaries. Okay, that's what started it. And these people had, you know, local uh, quinine and, you know, morphine. They had those things. And the development of drugs for treatment of infectious diseases was a major focus of early research and development efforts. In 1900, pneumonia, tuberculosis, diarrhea. You realize those those three things accounted for a 10% death rate in 1900? 1900? 10%. So what started the explosion of the pharmaceutical injury? It was World War II. World War II, with all the injuries and everything, so the, that that what's really started the explosion. After the World War II, we saw an explosion of discovery of new classes of antibacterial drugs. So what's the largest one? Largest one, Pfizer. That sells about forty-five billion dollars. Pfizer is number one. Number two is Roche. Number three is Johnson Johnson. Number four is Merck and Company. Number five is Sanoff. Uh, Novartis is six, AbbVie is seven, Glasgow Smith Klein is eight, uh, Gilead Sciences is ninth, and Amgen is tenth. That's the rate. So it's Pfizer. Pfizer is the biggest. So I thought that was interesting. Eight 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 ninety nine charge my number, and I love to talk to you. We're going to go talk to Shannon in Florida. He has an investing question. Hi, Shannon. Hey, Steve. Uh, thanks for thanks for taking my call. Uh, my question is about my car payment, my you know my car payment versus my uh, investing. I have a company 401k. I have a, a individual Roth IRA, a brokerage account. I trade some stocks with, and I have a bunch of cash sitting there as well. But meanwhile, I have a six-year loan on a car I just got a few months back. So I know you guys have talked about getting the debt taken care of before you invest. So my question is, should I continue to pay the car payment and invest, or or is it better to pay the car off or maybe put some towards it? What do you think? Okay, what's the interest rate on your car loan? Um, off the top of my head, not sure, but, you know, probably, probably just average. I have good credit. Okay. Do you, does your 401k match your contributions? Does your company match your contributions in the 401k? Yeah, I think up to 3% they match, yep. Okay, so you're going to at least keep putting money in the 401k. Because they imagine that's free money and you want to get the free money. If the car loan is low, below 5% or so, let's say, maybe 5.5%, then I wouldn't be necessarily in a big rush to pay it off because that's a pretty low car loan. If it's high, then I I double up on my payments, try to get rid of it as fast as I can. And the next time you buy a car, don't borrow money. Next time, save up the money and buy a car you can afford without having to going to debt. <coughs> That's how you do it. And you do that the rest of your life. I have not paid for a car since I was my first car, uh, which was a Volkswagen. I borrowed 500 bucks for it. And I thought it was ridiculous that I was going to pay $700 for that $500 loan. So since then, I've always saved up my money and paid cash. And I was just a working stiff. It can be done. You just got to buy a cheap car. My first new car was a Pinto. Remember, I don't know if anybody remembers the Ford Pinto. They used to blow up and explode. I don't know. If, 
<laughs> so, you know, it wasn't the wisest choices of car for me. My next car was a Camry, Toyota Camry. My next car was a Volvo. My next car was a, next two cars were Buicks, I think. And then a Chevrolet. And then, you know, so I kept saving more and more money to buy better cars. Shannon, thanks for the call. Good luck. Let's go to Brian in Connecticut. He wants to talk about shorting. Shorting. Brian, do you have a short position on? Good. Thank you for the call. Yep. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, just giving you a call. Making some really dumb plays, which I think you'll see off the cuff, but I'm still kind of interested in your opinion. So, I'm I'm calling in some shorts for the S&P come mid-April. You know, I am not going out of fear with this, but I do think uh, between the Fed and the global economy, everything's going up on some stilts right now, and it will not be held up long in terms of just the economic slowdown, and it's going to fall down mm-hmm. between 250 and 280. You may be right. There's this. Now, do you also have long positions, short and long positions? Um, kind of between puts and calls, but spread out on different things. Okay, so everybody else out there, so they know, when I say, he says short and I say long, what we're talking about, he's shorting the market and thinking it's going to go down, and when you short the market, you can you can make money as the market goes down. And I'm saying, do you have long positions as well? And that means with the normal way you, you buy stocks or you buy the S&P index, and it goes up, okay? That's a long position. Or it goes down. You're still, you know, it can go up or down. You lose money if it goes down. You make money if it goes up if you're long a position. If you're short, you the, just the opposite. So I was curious. You see, you can have long positions, Brian, in certain companies like core holdings that I tell you everybody to hold on to them and don't ever sell them. So you can have long positions in core holdings and then short the market to hedge against the falling against your falling positions so when they do go down they don't go down as much that's a strategy as i said at the beginning of the show there's different strategies and you are apparently implementing a particular strategy you like i don't know all the details but i don't you know i don't fault you for that because i think the market's going to be very volatile this year and we've already seen it being super volatile extremely volatile and i still think it's going to continue Brian, thanks for the question. I hope it I hope it works for you. Just remember the market has a long-term bias to the upside. To the upside. I'm Steve Peasley and you're listening to Invest Talk. So obviously you understand the importance of unbiased guidance, or you wouldn't be listening to me. I encourage you to consider subscribing to our KPP premium newsletter written and distributed every Friday. In the newsletter, you'll get valuable information such as the week's market analysis, portfolio management guidance, and stock ideas a couple every every week. And each Friday on Talk, I usually go through, you know, with a little, go through the newsletters and, you know, give you little excerpts from it, you know, so, so you can kind of get an idea of what it looks like. I also send you a free copy of one if you want. If you ask me, I will do that. You can subscribe anytime on investtalk.com. And now I'm ready to take your questions. 888-99-CHART. This is Invest Talk, And with the market volatility, you've got to be sure that your portfolio assets are properly balanced. And on March 20th, Justin Klein will be traveling to San Jose, California, 
to meet with registered listeners to provide no-cost and no-obligation portfolio review consultations. March 20th, San Jose. Learn more and register now at investtalk.com. Hey guys, just had a quick question for you. I purchased Comcast, which is CMCSA, a little over a year ago, and it makes up about 4% of my uh, portfolio. I like the long-term play of it, and I kind of was hoping to get your opinions about it. I know there's some headwinds about uh, people cutting the cord, but I, I think management is doing the right things, trying to uh, look to the future. But I just wanted to get your opinion and what you're thinking about it. Also, I had another question about what you guys thought when a stock becomes like a core holding. Like, what do you look at to determine like a stock should be in your core? Like everybody says, we love the show and thank you for your hard work because uh, it is very informative. Okay, well, Comcast, your stock you're talking about would be a core holding. It's a big company, 193 million. It has, uh, you know, it has increasing sales and increasing earnings. Slow, pays a decent dividend, 2.2. I like a higher dividend for a core holding. Return on equity is very high at 19%. They don't have that much debt, so you know it could be classified as a core holding. Those are the things to look for a core holding. A core holding has a high moat. In other words, you know they might have competitors, but it's pretty difficult for any new competitors to come in. They they dominate or closely dominate one or two or three in their sector. They're really big and safe and been around forever. See that kind of thing. It's core holdings. These days, I like better dividends than 2.2 that Comcast is playing. Comcast provides video, internet, phone, network, and broadcast TV services throughout Comcast Cable uh, and NBC Universal. So it's a big diversified kind of company in the entertainment industry. Um, the good thing about it is that they're going to make $3.42 next year, and it's a $42 stock. So it tells you it's a 13 PE and the five-year range is 12 to 22. So it's a pretty reasonably priced stock. I would not sell it if I owned it because of the, the it's inexpensive. And they fell from, what, $46 all the way down to 40 in this crisis was about, what, 15%. Now it's at 42, so now it's down 10%. I mean, I'm, I'm, I think you hold on to it. I think you hold on to it for a long time. It is a core holding. That's Comcast. C-M-C-S-A, everybody. Okay, consumer spending, which is the key to our economy, right? That's what we have to worry about. That's what we should keep an eye on. So is that why the Fed cut rates yesterday in between two meetings, cut by 50 basis points, you know, half a percent? And it was likely... It's likely not to have that great of an impact, really, not on consumer spending. But it, uh, what it's trying to do is they're trying to build some confidence, some, some confidence into the market. Because it's the confidence and the fear that's driving it, not the actual coronavirus problem. It's the fear. So they're trying to do that. They're trying to instill confidence in the consumer. And that's what the president's doing, too. Here, we're going to spend a lot of money on this coronavirus thing. It'll be okay. Calm down. Everybody relax. That kind of thing. Calming the consumer so that they will spend. Now, 
where might we look to see how the consumer is doing? And I'm suggesting we look at housing. We look at construction spending was sharply up in January, 1.8%, double the ex- expectation. New home sales, remember we talked about last year, up 9% last week, up 9%. And then impending home sales were up 5.2% for all, this is January numbers. Now, the Fed lower interest rate by, you know, the Fed funds rate, the Fed or the, the main rate that the Fed controls by half a percent. You don't think that's not, remember, that will drag down the 10-year Treasury. The 10-year Treasury is now only paying about 1%. The 10-year Treasury is attached to the mortgage rate. Don't you think that's going to drag down the mortgage rate? And don't you think that that's going to help the housing market? That's the thinking by this move by the Fed. Get the consumer to keep spending. Maybe refinance. Spend that money on the new house they bought. Uh, refinance and go buy, and buy a new car. Go out and spend some money. That drives our economy. I think that's the catalyst behind, behind this interest rate move yesterday. Try to coil some fears here. Because it is the fear is going to affect the GDP. It's going to affect it. Okay, so we know that. The virus itself, it's it's really a minor issue. You have 80, what, 80, 90,000, 90,000 cases? Come on. How many millions of people have the flu? <laughs> so it's just, it's just silly. But I think that's why the Fed did what he did. Now, let's keep it moving. I think I can fit another question here before the break. Hi, Steve. Hi, Justin. I was just wondering, I'm going to college for an economics degree and in the hopes of becoming a financial advisor one day. I was just wondering, is there any tips you guys can give me, some uh, careers to look at or some things to learn in college, and just some options I can do to try and meet that goal? Thank you, guys. I love the show. Bye. Okay. Um, all three of my registered investment advisors in my office have economics degrees. Uh Jason has it from uh, USC, Justin has it from Chapman University, and Nick has it from Chapman University. One thing I will suggest, if you're going to go for that, make sure you put in the extra time if you can in, in putting together the economic reports that you, you most universities put out. You know, the, uh, I know Chapman puts out one that's very good, and I know USC does so also. So I don't know what school you're going to, but put some extra time because you'll learn a lot how these these economic uh, uh, reports are put together. And that's important when you're going to manage other people's money. It's important that that's where you want to go. Okay, 888-99-CHART is my number, 888-992-4278. I do want to get to the Super Tuesday tax difference between Bernie Sanders and Joe Biden, even because of the Super Tuesday, it looks like those two guys are going to be head-to-head. But what's their tax proposal difference? There is a difference. It's interesting. This is Invest Talk. I'm Steve Peasley, and we have one goal here, as we always say, and that is to help you achieve financial freedom. Financial freedom. And our work will continue right after this break, so get your questions in. The number is 888-99-CHART. Next Invest Talk, five questions to ask yourself before refinancing your mortgage. 
Taking out a new home loan could cost you thousands of dollars, and the wrong choices could significantly reduce your potential savings. That story tomorrow. But now the Anytime Listener lines are open, and Steve Peasley is here and ready for your questions. Call InvestTalk, 888-99-CHART. Okay, I'm going to th- uh, finish my thought on the Super Tuesday kind of standoff between Bernie Sanders and Joe Biden. And I wanted to talk about, I'm not talking about who's going to win or whatever. I'm not talking, that's that's another issue. I'm talking about the differences they propose on taxes. Now, all, all, all both of them want higher taxes on wealth and businesses and all that. Okay, they, they all, we, we know that. That's, that's not what's different. Okay, Sanders wants a wealth tax and an extensive restructuring of all income tax brackets. So that's what he wants, a wealth tax and extensive restructuring of the income tax bracket, where Biden wants a wealth tax, but a return to the Obama top tax bracket. That's all he wants. So it's vastly different how they're both looking at this. Now, I don't, I don't think anybody knows exactly what Sanders means by extensive restructuring. What he does mean is more higher taxes for everybody. I mean, obviously, that's that's what they, they both mean that. But uh, Biden's tax is different. And they don't explain what their wealth tax will be. How do you figure that out? I mean, they're truly wealthy people don't pay income tax because they don't have incomes. I don't have a problem taxing them. I don't know how you're going to do it, though. I mean, you don't want to discourage wealth, do you? I don't think so. Those are the ones that hire people. But, you know, there, there's a different, major difference between the two. I thought that was interesting. Marco in New Jersey, becoming a day trader. You want to talk about that, Marco? I'll be happy to talk about it. Yes, sir. Um, thank you so much for your time. Um, I guess it's not so much that I'd like to become a day trader. I guess I've been doing that without knowing exactly what those implications are. Um, so my question to you would just be, you know, what are the benefits, pros and cons of day trading? Because I know obviously you can ride the ups, sell on the highs, you know, and then hedge, I guess. But I guess just your insight on that. Well, uh, almost all day traders lose money. Okay, just so you know, it's very difficult to do. I have day traded. I spent a year day trading once, and I made money at it, but not enough money to make up for all the work it would cons- you had to go through. I mean, it's a constant sitting in front of the screen and paying attention to your day trade because you're not the way. Uh, there's different methodologies. I was looking at minute charts and getting into the trade, and had certain rules and stick with, stuck with my rules. But most day traders lose money. It's a very difficult thing to do. I would not suggest it for most people because it's just not worth the effort. Um, you know, can you make money? Sure, you can. But it's not so easy just, oh, well, just buy it low and sell it high. Well, if that's true, everybody would do it. It was easy. But, you know, the, even the experts have been doing it for umpteen years can't do it. I mean, if it was that easy, everybody would do it. So, Marco, it's a difficult thing to do. Um, But I will say this. If you're going to be successful at it, you need to write down a certain set of rules, rules of how you're going to implement this day trade. What, what, What kind of stocks are you trading? 
for instance, you can't day trade a very illiquid company that doesn't have a lot of tra- shares trading. It's got to be very liquid. Okay, so there's a rule. You got to have at least 500,000, a million shares traded today, whatever the rule is that you want to set up. I had a rule that I would only buy uh, 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 day trade those stocks that opened up big, uh, a few percentage points up or down from yesterday's close. In other words, I want to have a big mover overnight, and then I would day trade against that move. If it moved down, I day trade up for that day. If it moved up, I would trade down for that day, um, for it to go down. And then I would enter within, I'd wait a half hour after the first, uh, I wouldn't enter that trade until uh, I saw first half hour trade. See, there was rules that I had. And I, I was successful at it, but man, oh man, that was a very stressful year and didn't make enough money to do it. It wasn't worth it to me. Good question, though. I'm Steve Peasley, and this completes another Investop program, everybody. I will return Friday with highlights from the latest KPP Premium Newsletter. In the meantime, please feel free to search, browse, download, and rate our Investop podcast. I do really appreciate it, and thank you for all the listeners out there who do. Now, you can download it through iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and also at investtalk.com. Have a great night, everybody. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, It's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor, which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is President and Justin Klein Chief Executive Officer of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial. And they thank you for listening and welcome your comments or questions on our 24-hour listening line at 888-99-CHART. 888-99-CHART.